Welcome to the What If Podcast with your hosts, Spencer Worth Davis and Ryan Copperood. Hi guys, welcome to the show. What up? Did it's we, happening. How did how I wonder how they liked hearing British lady again for the first time in a while. Uh, we'll see if I remember to put her in there or not. <laughs> <laughs> there was the a people the people have spoken, apparently. We gotta put her back in. There's an overwhelming amount of support for reintroducing British lady uh back into the show, and we shall oblige. <laughs> uh well, you know what? As poorly as that uh as that Facebook poll went for the non-British lady supporters. Yeah. Only one person actually actually gets a vote on whether or not British Lady ends up in the show. So we'll That's see true. what happens. Well, <laughs> technically, yeah, no, it is. I was say technically it's both of us, but now I'm like, nah. At the end of the day, you're the motherfucker not, that drops it in. This is not a democracy, guys. I'm no. sorry. Although, if you do want to have a chance at this being a democracy, <laughs> join our Facebook group because there's like a like going on a thousand people in there, and there's a whole bunch of really weird and hilarious memes and fucking sweet fan art. Shout out to Shelby. Sick. Dude, did you see Shelby's fan art? I sure did. It's it's you reading me a Christmas story. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> and there's alien ornaments. Yeah. And there's stockings for you and me and Bear. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> I love you, Shelby. Sincerely. Uh, you want to talk about the weird shit that we kind of teased last week? I'd first like to talk about your health and well-being. Oh, I'm great. I'm fine. Guys, we're doing... I had like a... I had like a six hour run of, of poor health and I made a, a, a swift and full recovery. Guys, we're, we're doing a We're doing a new thing here for the first time. Spencer and I are recording the show in different locations. Well, we're like a mile apart. <laughs> we're in roughly the same location, but not specifically we, the same location. I think we're still in the same zip code, just not the same room. That's true. But uh, there was a little too much yarts in the in the Spence the Spenny household uh, this past week. So yeah, my my house is on health quarantine at the moment. Yes, thusly, I'm drinking gin in my own house and <laughs> and, wa- and waving to you through uh, through a video call, and uh, we'll see if you guys can tell any ding dang difference. You just got to go outside and scream everything you have to say, and I'll point a microphone in the direction of your house, dude. We should do um, <laughs> we should do some version of like. Uh, what are that? What's the Morse code, but with flashlights from our rooftops? <laughs> I'm just gonna no. I'm just gonna string XLR cables together until one reaches your house. Oh, what guys? Patreon.com/slash What If Podcasts, <laughs> so we can buy enough XLR cables to run one the mile from my house to Ryan's house. Fund our brilliant ideas. We can hell yeah. We can climb electrical poles. No one will know the difference. It's just one more wire up there. No, we just got to get our Elon Musk on and build a tunnel. Hey, buddy, get your Musk on. What? <laughs> Dude, uh, that sounds like um like a scent. That's gross. Get your Musk on? Everybody get your Musk yeah, on. Man. That's me before I go to the club. It's the holiday season. Dress yourself in pine burrows <laughs> and bourbon. Get your Musk on. <laughs> it gross. is time. Gross. I'm glad All to right. see that you've made a full and swift recovery. Spencer. Oh, yeah, I'm doing great, Good. bud. Um, so I think it's extremely important for us to do a very short recap of what happened last week so that we can help people understand what's happening this well, week. I mean, the episode's out there. You should go listen to it. It was a good one. You should. It was a great one. Last week we talked about the Vatican secret archives, uh, mm-hmm. which is a library underneath the Vatican that houses, well, we don't know what it houses, we talked about some of the things we know it houses, but we also last week we also talked about some of the things we think it houses. 
And we teased the chronovisor. <laughs> we teased a thing that is hmm. I was not gonna, real. And not, <laughs> I was gonna say is suspected. All right, guys, episode is over. <laughs> Goodbye. Four and a half minutes in. That's all you get today. Hey, do you guys remember how sometimes we put uh we put giant like quotes around the beginning of an episode and then quotes around the end of the episode? This or is one just, of this is one yeah, of those. Put, Put allegedly at the front allegedly and beginning and, and the middle. Yes. Um, allegedly, one of the items contained in the Vatican secret archives that we are not allowed visibility to at all is... Because they're secret. Because they're secret, hence the name, is the chronovisor. And For those of you that can't hear through Ryan's accent, he's saying the chronovisor, as in time and vision. Yeah. What do you think you yeah. can? Hey guys, what do you think you can do with it? <laughs> See through time. See through time, Spencer. Yeah. Yeah, boy. Uh, so, do you want to kick us it's, off? It. Yeah, sure. It is allegedly a functional time <laughs> viewer, um, and it was it first documented, so to speak, in a book called "The Vatican's New Mystery" or "Le Nouveau Mystère de Vatican." Sick, bro. How you like my French? You fucking killed it, dude. Thanks, bro. I'm fucking proud of you. Uh, by <laughs> Father Francois Brune. It's like you didn't even barf 24 hours ago. Thanks, dude. It's been like <laughs> 36 at least now. Closer to 48. I'm, I've been killing it. Dude, I'm so proud of you. Your stretch is really good. We should create a paper chain and add a ring every day you don't barf until you barf again. <laughs> I can't believe it. You guys, it had been 16 fucking years since Spencer I'm threw up. I'm so disappointed in myself, honestly. That fucking sandwich took me down I, after 16 years. I'm, I, I mean, honestly, like food poisoning is a good way to do it, man. I've drank, <sighs> with, I've drank with you before. We probably should have thrown up from drinking at some point in the last decade. Still, have never done that one. And and again, I am I proud of you. Tend to keep it that way. Anyway, the Chronovisor. Uh, it's a thing that apparently allows you to view different points in time primarily in the past and a guy named father francois brune wrote about it in his book the vatican's new mystery which was released in 2002 i tried to find a copy of this book um and the closest one to us is at the university of notre dame what and it only exists in french there's not an english translation of it so it wouldn't have done us much good anyway come on padre holler but at if, your boys if we have any french listeners in indiana who want to help us out that would be greatly appreciated that's we've made some specific asks on this show and that's one of the more specific <laughs> are you bilingual do you live in indiana do you own a car can you go to notre dame do you have an abundance of free time and no real desire to be compensated for it. Can you please translate that whole motherfucker <laughs> for us quickly? Thank you. Also, how do you feel about piracy? <laughs> Tight. Some, please sign here. Uh, in this book, I, allegedly, because now I'm going off of secondhand information about a book that I think exists. Um, Father Brune talks about this chronovisor which was uh -huh. allegedly built by a man named pellegrino ernetti which come on man what a name S yeah what a he, name shockingly an italian priest and scientist <laughs> Shh, you you think <laughs> um 
And he, or Nettie, apparently made this thing that allows you to see um, specific events from the past by uh, tuning dials to a time and place. Yes. So it's described as being like a TV set with some extra uh, tubes and knobs and antennas on it. And you can enter a time and location that you would like to view and an image of that time and location appears on this screen. And Ernetti and Brune claim that this chronovisor has allowed people to witness um, some very specific and very important events in the history of the earth and humanity. Interdimensional time travel and TV. It's ABC. (laughs) It's such like a, like a sixties sci-fi twilight zone ass idea to begin with. Channel six, six, six. Right. Like, Oh, what if we had like a, like a special TV where, where instead of three channels, you had the three channels and the crucifixion channel. Hey, I mean, we had, if we had buttons, that's where I would have put an air horn. Also, Maybe I'll add one in. Not for nothing, but like, you know, the so, well, maybe we'll get there. Just the whole crucifixion thing. It's like, I get it. You're Catholic priest, but is really your first thing? Like, oh, dude, I could see any moment in time. You guys want to go watch Jesus die? <laughs> it's like, wait, also, like what? That, it took a while, man. It was not like a moment. Yeah, Dude right. was up there for a few days. Like, you guys strap in and watch this man slowly die. Or is it... So, one thing that I couldn't gather from my uh, my reading on the subject, is it actually like TV, or is it just coming like slides, like snapshots of the time that you put mm. in? Because... Um, are you saying, is it still images or video, essentially? E- yes, or some combination of the two where it's like a sequence of still images that come every, you know, determined amount of time, like a um, slideshow almost. Well, I'll answer this in two ways. Um, first, it is neither because I don't think this thing is real. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm playing the game. If we're entertaining right. what the story is, the, how is it? how is it described? Did you see um, any... The, the closest thing to proof of this thing that we have are a couple still photographs. So there were, there was, there were two photographs, one of, uh, Jesus being crucified and one of Jesus walking through a field with some of his disciples that were put forward as evidence of this chronovisor images that were taken from or with this chronovisor. Was it And my understanding was those images were taken with a camera so allegedly of like the screen in the chronovisor. So they were like reproductions of reproductions. Right. I don't think there was like a screenshot function. <laughs> I think they had to take out a film camera and God, point it at the screen. Get it together, Pellegrino Ernetti. <laughs> oh, all I can do is see through time and you can't even take a fucking screenshot. I could do that in two keystrokes on my computer. <laughs> Dude, it was the... It was a long time ago. All yeah, right. for what it's uh, for what it's worth, in the context of this conversation, Ernetti lived from 1925 to 1994, and we do know that Pellegrino Ernetti was a real person. Like there is documentation of Ernetti being a real live human being in the world. 
Yeah. So for for what that's worth, it's not like Francois Bruin was like, and then there was this guy, and he just fucking <laughs> like made a bunch of bullshit up from the jump. Well, like we do know Ernetti was a person. Yes, he may also made have made a bunch of bullshit up. Well, but. and that's something we should talk about because as far as we can gather, Ernetti participated in this conversation with Bruin. Yeah. Um so this thing was built in what, the 60s, right? That's my understanding, yes. And um Bruin and Ernetti worked together to build this thing along with a team consisting of 12 I I don't know if that's 12 total or 12 additional scientists. Yes. Um so either 10 or 12 other other people. Uh, I think it's important for us to cover a couple handful, couple, 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 two tree of who those alleged scientists were. Yes. So Ernetti identified two of those additional people as Enrico Fermi and Werner von Braun. Now, if you remember, Enrico Fermi had a pretty sick nickname, which was the architect of the atomic bomb. Uh, I mean... Or horrible, depending on how you look at that. But well, sure. I, I, yes, I was not. I was not applauding the atomic bomb in actuality. Hey, you um, know what's cool? Killing a whole bunch of people blowing, real fast, blowing shit up, no, and ruining um, parts of the earth. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, but for me, was um, one of the initial architects of nuclear power and uh, nuclear bombs in our age. Um, he won the Nobel prize for physics in 1938, uh, for some of his work, did a bunch of stuff on, uh, quantum theory and, and all that stuff. So for me was like a very extremely famous Italian American, uh, physicist. So and von Braun made big names and von Braun made rockets. We've talked about von Braun, um, multiple times on the show in the past. Uh, you want to know a quick fact, uh, Spenny? I would love to. Neither Fermi nor Von Braun were alive at the time of this book's release <laughs> to confirm or deny their participation in that's, such a project. That's convenient. What do you think about that, bud? <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's real convenient the way is, that timing worked out. Is that problematic or no? Nah. Why would that be problematic? They, I'm sure they would have confirmed it if they were around. I'm just saying Catholic priest, father, Francois Brun, Brun, Brunet. I don't know. Someone will yell at us via email. Brun or Brunet. Um, made some pretty bold moves by bringing up some pretty big names of some very real people and was like, guys, guess what we did together? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, they built this thing that looked like a TV, but could track individual people throughout time and record uh, both visually and uh, orally, as in audio, what they were doing at a specific time. So... I was extremely curious about how uh, a a priest who had these conversations with a scientist and brought up such uh, bold, big named scientists, how they would even remotely posit how a thing like this could or would work. Um. Well, 
the closest I could find to an explanation for like the operating principle behind this thing is that events and people leave behind some sort of electromagnetic radiation mm. that that is unique to that time, that place, and that individual. And that by f- figuring out this unique electromagnetic radiation signature, you could sort of dial in um, a person, a location, an event. And then somehow this was translated to a visual image and sound waves. That part is very unclear to me. Yes, but it's all very unclear to me. (laughs) To be fair, I don't really understand how normal like TV or radio transmissions work either. So you know what, my dude, that's a very good point. (laughs) (laughs) There's plenty of stuff that I don't understand that definitely works. So yeah, see, I'm out here like I don't understand it. So it's probably bullshit. Meanwhile, my dumbass doesn't understand a lot of things that are definitely not bullshit. Meanwhile, we're talking to each other in a way that neither of us understand right now. Not even a little bit. Um. Yeah, I think that's the the basics of like what this thing was and how it was alleged to work. I I I'm totally with you. I still my lack of clarity comes around. I actually kind of dig the concept of there being some sort of like electromagnetic signal left by human energy. I think human energy is a thing. I don't know what that means, but I think it's a thing. Like you get reads for people's energies and I think those can be left on like plants and animals and potentially like places. I don't know. But what I'm trying to say is how could you distinguish when a signal was left and just navigate through thousands of years of like stacked on top of each other, electromagnetic radiation signals in a location. Now we're stretching the story for me. (laughs) Right. And I think, uh, the way that this idea supposedly came about is, is sort of interesting and more plausible to me, which is that, uh, Ernetti was, um, along with another priest, Father Agostino Gamelli, they were recording Gregorian chants, and they were uh, making these recordings in an effort to study the like acoustic and harmonic principles of these chants. Whoa, this is new and, to me. I did not know this. And how they uh, like resonated within certain spaces. And so they were making these recordings... And Ernetti claims that while making one of these recordings, he heard the voice of Gamelli's father. So he's working with this other priest to make these recordings. Whoa. They hear the voice of the other priest's father speaking to his son, Father Gamelli. Whoa. He's trippy, man. Yeah, his father who had recently passed. And so this kind of got him on the on the path of maybe there is a lasting impact of people on uh, time times and spaces after they've passed on. Huh. And I think that that idea is like very prevalent in our society as a whole, but specifically within Catholicism and Christianity, 
too. Which which part specifically do you mean? The the idea of, of, of like leaving a lasting impact kind of thing? Yeah, and there being an afterlife and there being communication between the present and the past and this life and an afterlife. And, right, 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 right. Um, I think that idea has been around forever, essentially. Totally. And it kind of ties into one of the more plausible explanations for a lot of the like uh, ghost and paranormal and EVP activity to me, which is that there's, it's often called the stone tape theory that uh, much in the way that like audio or video can be stored onto a magnetic tape. uh, That same information can be imprinted onto like physical spaces. So that might be an explanation for uh, what we would call like a place being haunted or there being um, some sort of paranormal activity in a, like tied to a specific location that there may be some sort of really powerful or traumatic or meaningful event that happened there that was recorded onto this physical space itself. So that, okay. So two questions about that. One, my audio engineer home slice what is actually happening when audio, I don't, I don't even know if you know this, when, when like audio is put to tape, like what is yeah. actually happening in that moment? Like how does magnetic tape actually work? I think that's the question um, I'm asking, but I don't even know if that's the, like, that's even the right <laughs> question to ask. Uh, short answer. I don't really know. Okay. Um, somehow, yeah, no, nah, I don't really know. And that's what I was getting at earlier is like, this stuff sounds wild to me, but a lot of things that sound wild to me are real and I've accepted because I've just seen them working, you know? Right. Like, I don't understand on a like electrical or physics level how sound, my voice is being recorded onto my computer right now. Right. I know how to make it happen. I know how to reproduce it. Uh, I couldn't tell you the like, the operating behind principles it. behind it of how right. the vibration of my vocal cords turns into zeros and ones. And then I can play it back for thousands of people <laughs> around the world without any cables or anything like none of that. I don't, I don't have a fucking clue. Yeah. Not to mention in, in a matter of like minutes. Right. And, and I think that's part of why, like this idea doesn't seem that crazy to me because what I just described sounds even more crazy to me. Yeah, that's true. I know it's reality. That's so. real. That's a good point. I think the other thing that I like about my, and this is kind of goes to my second question around like that whole concept that you were just talking about is that, um, it makes sense to me that, uh, like traumatic events would leave a signal in ways that pedestrian events would not. So when I, when I was thinking like, oh, well, how do you get back to the crucifixion, right? Like, how do you, you know, how do you just go like you comb through all of these electromagnetic signals? Maybe it's just, you go to high points, like inflection points in the, in history. And those leave a signal that is actually like readable. Yeah. Look, I'm working hard on Father <laughs> P- Padre Brun's half here, okay? The half. No, I I just I feel like uh that event 
is very meaningful to some people who believe in like a, a bigger meaning behind that event. Also, they crucify people every week in that same place. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I don't know if at the time that event would have stuck out that much. Like, lots of people die on a daily basis. And at the time, lots of people died in that specific fashion. Uh, in that specific place. Yeah. So I I don't know. And then I still have a huge problem with like, even if that information were being recorded somehow, accessing it with that degree of specificity seems impossible to me. That you could, from the Vatican in 1960, somehow tune this box of wires and tubes to an event that happened 2,000 years ago, you know, whatever, thousands of miles away, and be like, oh, there it is. Let's watch it happen, and let's listen to it, and let's take a picture of it. Right. Just is totally implausible to me, no matter how it would be operating. I agree. I co-sign your statements. (laughs) And then also, like, the descriptions of it don't do anything, don't do much to, like, alleviate that concern or that skepticism for me. Uh, Of the device itself, you mean? Yeah, uh, Ernetti gave a description of of how this thing was supposed to have operated uh, and said, quote, processing residual electromagnetic radiation left over by numerous processes. Mm. That doesn't say anything. Extremely specific, my dude. Numerous. Oh, how does it work? Oh, you know, numerous processes. <laughs> get your musk on. What? <laughs> hey, everybody, get your musk on. <laughs> Um, in addition to the crucifixion, Ernetti claims to have witnessed through the chronovisor. Uh, he checked in on Napoleon. He checked did in he, on... Did he pat him on his little head? Uh, I don't think you're able to actually physically transport to these places and times. Oh, uh, you're right. You just can look at stuff. Um, he checked in on the founding of Rome in 753 B.C., he watched a couple ancient plays, Roman plays. Yeah, which the Thaistes, Thaistes, sure, that's close enough. Thaistes play uh, <laughs> was an interesting part of this. Did you did you read or look into the Thaistes play thing at all? I did not. So Ernetti alleged that. Um, he had witnessed amongst the list of things that you're talking about uh, that he had seen a performance in Rome in 169 BC. Nice. Um, a performance of the lost tragedy Thaistes. Um, okay. Why is that important? So... It was alleged to be written by uh, Quintus Ennius. Tight. Qu- Quint. Yeah. Mm, gonna go with that. Quint- Quintus Ennius. <laughs> um, but there is suspicion that the play that was discovered later was actually potentially written by Ernetti. As a way to say, look, they discovered a play. 
I told you that play existed. Long story mm. short, he's saying, I saw this play by Quintus Ennius called Thysties. And then much later in life, a rendition of the text was found. And he used that as a way to say, look, this is how you can believe me. This is how you know that my shit was real was I told you a play existed. And then that play turned up years later. The one thing I made up confirms the other thing I made up. Exactly. And um, there, uh, a woman named uh, Catherine Eldred, uh, excuse me, Dr. Catherine Eldred, uh, she's a professor at Princeton University, made an English translation of that Thysteus text that turned up. And I don't know how it turned up. I didn't see... Um, I didn't see what capacity it turned up in. Um, but Eldred stated at one point that she believed that it had been written not by the father of Latin poetry, Quintus Ennius, but by Ernetti himself, again, as a way to sort of bolster his case around the fact that he was actually time traveling. It seems like that would be pretty easy to determine for anyone familiar with Ennius's work, wouldn't it be? I would say so, unless as a priest, maybe you have read so much Ennius throughout your life that you could maybe fake it till you make it or try to fake it till you make it. Or maybe you're just banking on there being a very limited number of people who could call you on said bullshit. Right. Yes. Hmm. Maybe that. But. Okay. Um, that's the only other piece of quote unquote, allegedly, uh, alleged evidence of, of this being a real thing was not well, just claiming that he saw the play, but that the play became a real play after he said the play was a real play. There's one more, I, whatever piece of evidence that I came across. Um, dude, that the stank that you said the word evidence with was just so well, good evidence. <laughs> There, there's all of this information is coming from like some forum or some dot blog spot or like there's there's almost zero actual information. There is a Wikipedia article about it, but yeah, the Wikipedia article states pretty early on, like, well, we don't know if this thing's real. Right. And the only the closest thing to an actual source is the one book in French and the closest copy is several states away from us. So I just, whatever. I think we've done enough to say that this is probably nonsense. Well, uh, the Vatican has never confirmed or denied the existence of such a device. But apparently in 1988 made a statement saying anyone using such a device would be excommunicated from the church. Which... If it doesn't exist, seems like an unnecessary statement, does it not? Hey, 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 listen, listen. There are no, hey, mom, listen. There is, <laughs> there is no, I promise, there is no weed in my sock drawer. But if there was weed in my sock drawer, I don't know. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't finish that in a way that it actually I was, makes sense. I was sense. waiting for it. I, I, I couldn't find any actual anything providing a quote or source for that uh statement that the vatican apparently made i looked too and couldn't find it either 
Okay. So that may not be a real thing, but if it is, that does sound weird I, to uh, make threats about the existence of a thing that doesn't exist. Hey, 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 hey. It's not real. But if it was real, we'd beat your ass if you touched it. <laughs> oh, we'd excommunicate the fuck out of you. <laughs> hey, hey, remember uh, remember heaven? We told you all about heaven. If you want to even think about heaven, you better put the coronavirus down. It's not real. <laughs> but if it was real, you better turn, put it down. Um, Anything else that you want to address about the... Uh the existence or functionality of this thing before I uh, tell you about how I found the aliens in it. Hey, um, there is another book that I was not able to get in time for this, but I find interesting by a man named Peter Crossa, which is called father Ernetti's chronovisor, the creation and disappearance of the world's first time machine. Well, you know, Ryan, I think in the spirit of this episode, just because you haven't read the book shouldn't keep you from speaking on it. <laughs> okay. So I can't say much on it because I didn't look <laughs> deep into it. Um, mm-hmm. But it does tell the story of Ernetti and the disputes and all this stuff. The, the question that I had related to this book was this book um, by Peter Cross that came out in 2000. Father Francois Brunet's book came out in 2002 called The Vatican's New Mystery that included this story of not only the story of Ernetti, but also of Brunet's personal relationship with Ernetti, which is how he learned a lot of the facts in the story that he tells in uh, The Vatican's New Mystery. And we do have some evidence Mm. that Brunet and Ernetti actually did know each other. So the question I want to know is... Did Peter Crossa and Father Brunet actually know each other? Did they talk about this? Was there a coordinated effort to put out both books? If there was no truth to it, how did Peter Crossa have any evidence of this thing being a real thing? Did the story live elsewhere? Because I haven't been able to find a documented version of the story that comes into the picture before the book that came out in 2000. So did it does seem it does seem odd, too, that this was supposedly happening in the 60s yes and then there's no record of it well not true there were a couple newspaper articles in the 70s yes but that we have this like 30-ish year break before it like really comes into the pop culture realm again in 2000 and slash 2002 right and then two books come out Within two years of each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't know. Why, if this information, if we're going from the standpoint of like, this is a real thing that existed, was used, is housed somewhere in the Vatican. Uh, the story like leaks out in the seventies and there's a, as far as I could find one, maybe two newspaper articles about it. That again were not in English and I couldn't find good translations of. Yeah. And then 30-ish years later, two separate people write full books about it. Yeah. And like, and where did that where did the um the color to complete that story come from? Yeah, and why that time gap? Right. Um 
it wasn't like there was new information put forward, I don't think, and there was very little information ever to begin with. Right. No, completely. Um, were, were weird shit books just really, really cracking in the early 2000s and publishers were looking for content or like maybe or maybe the initial Peter Cross book came out and Father Brene was like, man, I've been knowing Ernetti. <laughs> I'll, I'll write that fucking book way better, man. He told me a shitload of stories and then came out and did it. Dude, I am convinced, by the way, that we could make a fucking killing writing books TM, and TM, specifically ebooks. TM, TM. Right? Like, have you stories like this that, like, there's a, a shred of truth somewhere, right? I, I, you know, the Vatican archives are a real thing. Yes. I'm sure they have some very legitimately, like, crazy shit. Cool and weird and crazy shit yeah, housed there. Absolutely. That the general public does not have any information about like that's a cool and real concept right so many of these books are not well written <laughs> are totally fucking off the rails from the jump sure and then like even little stuff like the design and layout just sucks and you know they're only released as like 30 page kindle books <laughs> if we if we could if we could put together just like five good concepts we could make a fucking killing i think our next uh our next request like we still get uh we still get episode re requests and suggestions on instagram and twitter and facebook and email like all the time and we appreciate them very much i think our next set of requests in 2019 needs to be like hey yo what should we write a book about <laughs> I have I told you I have like a, 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 a relatively fleshed out idea for a book that you and I need to write at some point. We well we talked a little bit about this, didn't we? Yeah. Okay. Y okay. Yeah. Cool. We talked a little bit about this, and I think it's the move, man. Would you guys? Hey, um, six one two two four six four six one four. Hi at whatifpodcast.com. If Spencer and I, y'all, I'm an English major. I write professionally as part of my job. Uh, we could, we, you know, we, we have designer friends. Like I'm also a designer as part of my job. Like, would you I record audio books as part of my job? Yeah. I think we got this. Would you guys read our books? <laughs> if, if we made, <laughs> if we made a what if series also, uh, Ryan, I haven't told you this yet, but I'm going to just run it past all the, the listeners and you at the same time. Hey, oh, on air production meeting. Uh, what do you think about making some merch or like shirts or bumper stickers or maybe bumper stickers would be best that just have our phone number on them and nothing else? Oh man. Just to see what kind of wild voicemails we can get. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. If we made some stickers that just had our phone number on it, would you guys put them on stuff? Or if we made shirts with just our phone number on it, would you wear them? Here's an important question. At what volume input does Google Voice shut you the fuck down? <laughs> yeah, there's only one way to find out. I'll pay for that extra storage. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, your phone number was free until you got 3,000 phone calls a day <laughs> and we shut you the fuck off. Well, we'll get some good voicemails in the meantime. I mean, dude, I'm totally down. We sh okay. We tight. we sh we just have to put what if on there somewhere. Just what if six one two two four six four six one four. Ooh, that's actually great. That that would inspire even more curiosity about that random ass right, phone number. Exactly, and then we got to change our voicemail message to something that's like totally different. Right. Like, I don't know what it is right now, but yes. It's me like yelling into the phone. I was literally, bro, I was laying, 
<laughs> Fucking of course it is. I was, what else would it be? I was laying in bed when I first set up our phone number being like, I think this is going to work. And I just hold, held my phone on speakerphone. I was like, <laughs> hey, it's Ryan. I think you got you, like, you got to our phone. So uh, say some cool shit. Leave your name if you want. Okay, bye. Like, that's pretty much what it is. I, I should have bet every dollar I've ever had on our voicemail being you yelling because yeah. of fucking of course it is. Dude, jo- speaking of things you guys should do to hit us up or join, the fucking uh, the subreddit is slowly growing. Uh, it's just the what if podcast and it's slowly growing. And I, I definitely put a post in there the other day that was just in all caps. And a listener responded to me with, why are you always yelling, bro? And my <laughs> response was, because I'm only good at a few things, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yelling happens right. to be one of them. Do you want to hear about the aliens? Are we going to talk about the aliens before or after the deathbed confession? Oh, let's do that first. Cause I think the alien talk is going to take us to a, a very different realm as it always does. My God. Tell us about deathbed confessions first, please. So a, uh, an anonymous relative of father Ernetti, Ernetti said that, on Ernetti's deathbed, he told his family that he had, in fact, written the text of the Thysdes play himself, and also that the photo of Christ, quote unquote, alleged mm-hmm. photo of Jesus Christ, um, was manufactured. But yeah, okay. Sorry. No, you're good. I, 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 I waited too long. The pause was too pregnant and, and there was <laughs> it's too dramatic, it's too dramatic. But, uh, he also maintained to his death that the machine was real and that it was functional. And I get the impression it was sort of like, we didn't have a good way to document that the machine was real and functional. Like it was, it was in some working order. And so we did one of those things that conspiracy theorists often do, which is like that whole, I know this is real. So I'm going to like help it be more real. You, you try and punch it up a little bit, punch it up a little bit, except you end up fucking yourself. Cause it just looks like you're a liar. But, but yeah, apparently well, I mean, that cause, was cause you're lying. Cause you are. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why you look well, that way. Yeah. Cause I guess what, what I mean doing. is like, you look like a liar about the entire thing, even though right. you only it's generally how lying works. You only lied about part of it, but you look like a liar about the whole thing. Yeah. Um I think we left this out earlier, but the the photos that were alleged to have come from the Chronovisor have been matched pretty closely to existing paintings. Right. They look like uh, uh drawings of paintings or photographs of paintings. Yeah, I, I think they're likely photographs of paintings. So like a, a painting of the crucifixion of Jesus and a painting of um, Jesus and his disciples. Got it. And the photo is just like a zoom in. Yeah. And it's been, you know, it's just like a, a bad quality photo that's been scanned poorly of uh, existing paintings. And people have actually A-B'd them, put them side by side and you can see that they're basically identical sure. to existing paintings. So those sure. are almost certainly faked. Um, womp womp. The aliens. Where they at though? There's a gentleman named Alfred Weber. Sick. Who wrote a book entitled Omniverse. Mm. Um, 
I took one for the team <laughs> and I purchased this ebook, this Amazon Kindle book for $7.99 and I, I read a good portion of it. Oh, we're going to crush it, dude. We're going to write a thousand of these and we're going to sell. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. We're going like, to sell a hundred, a hundred a week. And... Idiots like me are given $7.99 <laughs> just to talk about this dumb shit on their podcasts. Like the market is there, bro. Uh, we might be the, the only market, but it's there. Well, we exist, you know? You and me, man. Uh, Alfred asserts that the Vatican, uh, as far back as the 1960s, not only had this technology, but they were working with the CIA. Uh-oh. Uh, providing this technology to them for covert applications. Got it. Makes sense. And Weber calls this technology in, in like the, the more umbrella term for this chronovisor technology, quantum access. Ooh, fancy. And that there were other similar devices that allowed you to look through, uh, and pinpoint, uh, specific locations in time. Okay. Um, he, <sighs> yeah, he also, he also claims in this book that through this partnership of the Vatican providing this technology to the CIA, that the CIA was teleporting Americans to a secret base on Mars. Holy Jesus. Which oddly Just ties gonna in... send it, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Good it God. It ties in strangely well with some of the remote viewing stuff we've talked about in the past. I guess, yes. If you recall the time we spent with uh, Randy Kramer. Randy freaking Kramer. And the Chronovisor. Perfect. Uh, that's going to be the name of our first book. I was book. just going to say, that's the name of the book, right? It's our new Hardy Boys fucking trilogy. Dude, We is, do you think that the... Uh, the copyright on the Choose Your Own Adventure books are up yet? Ooh, I don't know. Can we just make a what if Choose Your Own Adventure book? Should we own the sweryboys.com? Ooh, don't just say things like that out loud we're, on the podcast. We're not live. Not do it. We're not live. <laughs> we're not live right now. Please hold. Um, that should just be our spinoff podcast where we talk about other stuff. We only swear. <laughs> it's just an uninterrupted 30 minutes of curse words. Every episode is just 15 seconds long. God fucking damn. And then we just like, it just stops. So creative cursing brought to you by the sweary boys. Alfred Weber claims that we were sending people to Mars. Um, and he claims that we were interacting with people and things there. I'm sorry, uh, was this related to the chronovisor or this was just related to the technological experimentation of the time? He's saying that the chronovisor and and derivative technologies thereof were supplied by the Vatican to the CIA and that these technologies supplied by the Vatican to the CIA resulted in this program in which we were teleporting people to Mars. Okay. Tracking, sort of? I'm here. Okay. Um, he claims the basis for this technology is that there are many, if not infinite, dimensions. And there are beings or entities that live in and all of them. And by using certain technologies, we can uh, interact with or at least view these different dimensions. Okay. 
and he he goes on to explain that this communication can happen through the use of various technologies such as, and this is directly from his book, TV, radio, such as the Chronovisor, photography, fax machines. Great. He he has a section about getting faxes from ghosts. <laughs> uh-huh. Dope. <laughs> Also put it on the list, faxes from ghosts. Oh, wow. Yep, very, um, extremely strong. Okay, so he takes this all to its logical conclusion, which, which is Which I know a, it won't be. <laughs> which is an extreme government conspiracy um, in which, as a young man in the early 80s, Barack Obama was part of a secret CIA project oh, to explore Mars. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oops. Oops. And he's um, talked to two gentlemen named Andrew Bisaggio and William Stillings, who assert that they served as, quote, chrononauts. Sick. For DARPA. Wow. Wow. And they encountered Barack Obama as a young man on Mars. Okay. But back then, his name was Barry Sotero. (laughs) Do you think <laughs> I can't wait for the end of this question? <laughs> Do you think that uh we make twice as much money by just inserting random famous people into our fake books and lying about the shit that they've done? Yeah, absolutely. Do you think you're, t- you're taking notes on this, right? Uh, yes, absolutely. You're drafting an outline for our first book right now. No, I'm I'm not drafting an outline. I'm creating our publishing company, which ye- <laughs> which which yeah, we do own the Sweary Boys and SwearyBoys.com now. So perfect. Thanks, Internet. SwearyBoysPublishing.biz. <laughs> might might want to grab that one too. BRB. <laughs> BRB. Um, between 1981 and 1983. Obama visited Mars twice. Oh. And the way he got there was by using a teleportation chamber that they called a, quote, jump room. Totally. Of course. I mean, how else would you get there? You got to use the jump room. Mm-hmm. And this gentleman, Andy Basagio, uh, had one interaction with Barry Sotero, a.k.a. Barack Obama. Hey, yo, Barry! In which they walked past, e- <laughs> past each other on Mars, and Barry said to Andy, quote, we're here. End quote. <laughs> the most well-spoken president we've maybe ever had was just like, we out here. <laughs> and he's like, you're right, Barry. We are out here. We are severely out here, Barry. We're on I, Mars. I love that quote, though, because it almost makes me like, I don't believe this dude at all. But <laughs> if I did, it would make me believe him a little bit more that that quote is so incredibly mundane. Cause also, because you know, you know, Barry Obama threw him the wink when he said it too. Wink, <laughs> we're here. You know, like he just like, suave like that. Like if I were making up that story, I would make up a better quote that the president said to me on Mars than we're here. Catch you on the flip side. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope, we're here. Oh, it, man. It's pretty mundane. Um. Obama's CIA handlers oh. needed him to, quote, acclimate Martian humanoids and animals to human presence. Sure. In order to secure the U.S. Martian alliance. And 
why was why was Barry particularly suited for this gig? Um, because through the use of their time traveling technology, they knew that he was going to be president later. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And so they needed him to build this U.S. Martian alliance before he became president. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yep. You gotta, yep. um, you gotta, you gotta like indoctrinate him so that when he gets to the first day on the job, he's not like opening the suitcase for the first time and being like, "What in the fuck." He's well, like, he's like, the, oh no, these are my bros. I know them from way back. Let's go, let's go right. holler at them. And and in the other direction, the Martians are like, oh tight, we know Barry. He's cool. We won't blow up the U.S. <laughs> well, now we're at risk, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, for 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 being chrononauts, they didn't see that one coming. Apparently, yeah, true true story. Or they or they did, and it's part of their weird conspiracy plan. They did, and hard, they didn't do anything say. about it, and they just said, lol. <laughs> they gave up. LOL. Uh, I think that's what I got, man. That's real. So, okay. So, is there any shred of you that is like, there's some truth to this? Mm, yes. To what? To if what I, extent? Um, I think the idea of events somehow being recorded in ways that we don't understand or like via the traditional methods that we use to record events. Yes. Is possible. Yes. And I think there probably is some truth to the Vatican having access to things that we don't know about. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm relatively with you so far. And even in this extreme stretch of a made-up story that we ended with, I think there could be some truth to the Vatican uh, at least having communication with government agencies. Yes. And maybe working on behalf of or with or supplying information and things to different governmental agencies. That seems plausible to me. I would agree with you on that as well, especially with what we know too about like not only how much money the Vatican has at their disposal, but also like the Vatican has their own fucking telescope and like, you know, there's, there are, there are things that they have access to that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. And they're under no obligation to anyone about any of it. Right. Yeah. And there's an element of it too. That's like, Hey man, Maybe they just like record everybody's confessionals and they just go like, hey, dear CIA, we know we know what all these people <laughs> did last week because they had to tell Jesus about it. And we are Jesus. And we are Jesus. Cue the emails. Uh, Cue the emails. Hey, we didn't get any emails <laughs> like that. We're mad about our uh, our our jokes last week, which is great. I just I just deleted them all before you read them. bro. <laughs> Wait, did we actually get some? I just put in a new Gmail filter that anything with the word Jesus in it goes to spam. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know Jesus. Well, we don't no, know. We don't, don't know your email. I don't think either. we did get any. Hey, thanks guys. Look, it's, we're all here for fun. It's just for fun. We just, everything is funny to us. Literally, like almost literally well, everything is funny. I don't to know us. about everything. Almost literally. I, I corrected myself. Um, so we got to go ahead. Oh, any, any final thoughts? Um, we got a couple. Do you believe any of the shit? Do I believe any of the shit? I, I track with you on pretty every, pretty much every element of like the, what you track on. Like 
I think there are elements of leaving energy in spaces. I believe there's potential to have um, the Vatican cooperating with governments and agencies. I believe that I even believe to some extent that Ernetti tried some of this stuff. Like I, be- yeah. I believe there, I believe there, That's a good point. It, there is an element of this that is like, I, I believe he was working on something like this or thinking about something like this. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think it got to the extent that we are told in all these fucking blog spots that, that <laughs> he got to it on, but between the books and the news articles and the deathbed confessions, if real, etc., I see some element of, like there's a thread. I mean, we come to this conclusion a lot, but like there's a thread here that's real that gets blown out of proportion. But I think the thread again is, is valid that, um, yeah. that he was probably working on something that the Vatican hides stuff <laughs> in their secret library, um, that they work with government agencies and, uh, and that energy can be left and potentially read in spaces. I just don't know if all of those things neatly tied as together as, uh, directly as the story makes it out. To oh, me. they, they definitely don't. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I agree with you. There's, and if you that's the, all the closing back, allegedly of, yeah, of yeah. the show. Um, uh, before we get out of here, we just want to let you know we are going to take the next two weeks off from releasing new episodes. Yeah, cue the collective thousands of gasps. Well, it, our next two episodes are scheduled to would be scheduled to come out on Christmas Day and New Year's Day. And guys, we're going to we be put honest. out 115 consecutive episodes without a week off, which is over two years. So we're going to take two weeks off for Christmas. We need a breather, you guys. But hey, never fear, we'll be back. Tell a friend to tell a friend that this is a pod you love and listen to and bring them to it in the new year. Also, uh, to your point about us taking a quick breather for a couple weeks over the next two weeks, um, we are going to be taking a breather here on the free show, but we are going to still be putting up uh, the paid shows every uh, every week. Um, we've had a bunch of new Patreon listeners for those that don't know, patreon.com slash what if podcast. If you, uh, if you just chuck in five bucks a month, uh, you get an additional four uh, four episodes of the show every single month. So instead of just the four free episodes, you get uh, you get an additional four. So a total of eight episodes every month. Plus, uh, you get access to a back catalog that's approaching seventy episodes now of the show that go back again like over a year and a half. Um, so you get that too for five bucks a month. So if you want to stay in touch with us and you want to keep hearing the show over the holiday season, uh, it's just five bucks and it's patreon.com slash, uh, what if podcast. And we'll still be coming out on uh, Fridays or so every week over the holiday season. All right, bud. We love you guys. Thank you for supporting the show. As always have a very happy holiday. We hope your family times are good and not bad. And if they're bad, <laughs> God bless liquor. Have a happy new year. Uh, we're going to make it a great one. And uh, we appreciate all your love and support throughout the year. You guys will, uh, we'll see you in 2019. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Hey, Merry Christmas, boys. This is Bear Buttercup down here in Indiana. Hope you guys have a good holiday, good New Year's, and uh, really enjoyed your recent stuff. Keep 
looking forward to every new show you put out. So good luck to you boys. Keep doing what you're doing.